there, and welcome back to Season 2, Episode 57 of the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name is Aaron Santemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we have the phenomenal opportunity to have our friend of the podcast back with us today, Pastor Stephen Blandino, and we get to sit down and discuss his new book that will be launching this week, Stop Chasing Easy. Stop Chasing Easy. Just a phenomenal, insightful book um, as we discuss mindset, maturity, mission, movement. He will discuss uh, Easy Street and why Easy Street is so deceptive and how God has called us to live a life of purpose and so much more, not just a life um, pursuing comfort but and not a life of regression, but rather a life of progression. Enjoyed spending time with Stephen. As always, he's been someone, um, as he talks about growth mindset, um, once I hit a stop on the record, um, I shared with him how his writings have really spurned me on to grow. And what his decision-making model was something I use at least three or four times a week and something that is spoken into my life and really appreciate him. And uh, just so excited for you to get the book. I'll have the information of where you can find the book, how you can access it in the show notes. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. And welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here uh, today again with our friend of the podcast, uh, Pastor Stephen Blandino. Stephen, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Aaron. So good to be with you today. It is a joy and it's an exciting day. And so, Stephen, we have you back. Um, normally, we are unpacking one of your teachings on leadership, and um, you've been such a blessing to us as we've learned from you. Today's a special day. And uh, will you go ahead and just share a little bit on why this day is special? Yeah, so I've got a brand new book uh, coming out, and uh, it's called Stop Chasing Easy, uh, Pursuing a Life That Counts Today and for Eternity. So that's uh, that's what's happening. The book comes out February 15th. Wow. It, it's exciting, and uh, that's one advantage of being a podcast host. I get to read books ahead of time. And so it was. Uh, I was privileged to be able to see a, a copy ahead of time. It challenged me. Uh, I took a lot of notes, and um, I know the listeners will love it. Stephen, can you just go ahead, before we jump into some questions about it, can you just share um, where people can find the book and just, uh, we, before we hit record, you were sharing some special, special things that would be available with the book, with purchase of the book. Yeah. Yeah. So again, it's called stop chasing easy and uh, you can learn all about it at stop chasing easy.com. And, um, when you buy the book, uh, there's actually a number of free bonus resources that, uh, that you'll have access to. There's a, uh, four part sermon series, um, there's a five-part small group study, and there's a master class for leaders. And so all of that is free whenever, whenever you buy the book. And so um, the, the, the book is um, actually, and we'll get into this, I know uh, it takes a journey through the entire book of Philippians. And so uh, if, if, you, if you're looking to uh, preach on uh, <laughs> Philippians, a series or whatever, this is a, could be some great, uh, great content to, to help you in the process. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, I think that that is it. phenomenal. I was excited to hear about the, the bonus material. So I thought that would be um, that would be good. So to talk about in the beginning. So, Stephen, first question I have for you um, before we jump into some questions specific about the book. How did how did you change over the course of writing this book? Any perspective changes on, and, on Stop Chasing Easy or, or the book of Philippians? 
Yeah. So let me give you a little bit of backstory on how the book came about, and then that'll kind of help set this up a little bit. So several years ago, I was reading through the book of Philippians and suddenly it hit me that everything the apostle Paul was writing would seem completely irrational for somebody in his situation, because here he is in prison, he's chained to a Roman guard and he's writing things like, you know, rejoice and give thanks. And he talks about contentment. You know, all these things are are things that a person in prison would not you would at least think would not be uh, uh, be, you know, considering. So exactly. So those are things that when you're in prison, they, they don't even cross your mind. Right. And so I'm reading Philippians and I was reading it in the message paraphrase. And and in the message, there's a verse in Philippians chapter three where Paul talks about, you know, you've got these different people that are pursuing different uh, ambitions and different goals. And they don't they they he even uses the phrase, you know, they hate Christ's cross. And then he makes a statement. He said uh, that that all they're looking for is easy street. Hmm. And then he and then he says this easy street is a dead end street. Hmm. And when I read that phrase, man, it just jumped out. I thought, wow, that is that is powerful. And that's what I got. To, that's when I thought. How many times do we spend our lives chasing easy street when easy street rarely produces the life that we ultimately want? Hmm. Right. So, so think about it. What, what kind of life do we want? We want a life that counts. We want a life that makes a difference. We want a life that, that impacts people today. And it has a ripple of impact through eternity. And so, you know, I wrote stop chasing easy to help people who are really tired of that message of, of, yeah. you know, the empty promises of ease and comfort yeah. and security and, and giving them a roadmap to help them make their lives uh, again, count today and for eternity and, and to not buy the lie of, 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 just if I can find ease yeah. or easy, then that's going to be the best path forward. So with that backdrop, kind of yeah. let me as a long way to your, your, your question here in the process of writing. And here's the deal. This book took me three or four years to write. Hmm. And, and, and so obviously it wasn't a full-time endeavor. I'm a pastor. So, so uh, you know, it's one of those things you'd work on certain days or certain seasons that, that, you know, where the time allowed. Um, but because it took so long, I also had the opportunity to absorb its message <laughs> even more sure. fully because during those four years, uh, you know, we experienced several hardships where it would yeah. have been easy to say, man, let's just do something that's easier. Right. Yeah. So during that time, we, we did a major building renovation at seven city church where I pastor, uh, had several staff transitions during that time. We faced uh, opposition in various ways. And, and, and then of course, you know, we've all walked through the pandemic and COVID yeah. and all of that. And so there's been plenty of times <laughs> where it would have been easier to say, let's do something different. Let's go a different direction. But during those times, you know, I, I would remind myself, don't chase easy. Hmm. What what you're doing matters and what you're doing will count uh, for eternity. Yeah. So so don't throw in the towel just because it's a hard season. So the biggest, uh, you know, the biggest work in me during yeah. writing this book has really been, you know, my mindset. And, and yeah. that's just an ongoing process, you know. So, for example, maintaining just the proper perspective of yeah. of of seeing hardship through the proper lens. So that's good word. Good word. And so you, you, you eloquently shared about easy street. Um, 
What are some reasons it's so deceptive and disappointing? You know, you, you shared it at the same time we, and it's a dead end, but at the same time, I think we, it is tempting. I, I, to Absolutely. be just very frank with you, it, it is tempting. And so, it, yeah, what are some reasons that it, it's so deceptive and disappointing? Yeah, it, it is tempting. And um, and let's just be honest, we, there's a part of us that wants it. So l- let me start by just saying this, that, you know, when we think of Easy Street, we we oftentimes think of, comforts and luxury and things like that. And let me just start by saying like those things aren't aren't necessarily bad, right? And I also don't believe we should make things unnecessarily, you know, harder than they need to be, right? I mean, the work smart, you know, be be uh uh you know, do things in a way that's effective and efficient. So I, I'm not I'm not dogging any of that. That that right. that's that's um doing things efficiently and smart, that's important and and enjoying the the blessings of life. Those blessings from God, so so be grateful for those. What what I think is the issue at, is that Easy Street is really two things: it's a mindset and it's an appetite. Hmm. And so, let me talk about kind of the first part of your question. You know, why is Easy Street so deceptive? It's deceptive because the mindset on Easy Street is: if it's easy, it must be good, and if it's hard, it must be bad. Wow, that's good. And if we're honest with ourselves, we know that's not true, right? The truth is God often does his finest work in growing us and maturing us when we get outside of easy street. It reminds me of a, of a quote that Oswald Chambers uh, uh, said one time. He said, God's aim looks like missing the mark because we are too short-sighted to see what he is aiming at. Hmm. And uh, <clears throat> what's God aiming at? He's often aiming at our growth, but Easy Street is aiming at our comfort. And most growth happens when we get outside of our comfort zone. So, wow. so, so that's you know the mindset piece is the first piece. The second part of your question, when you, when you said you know why is Easy Street disappointing? It's because Easy Street is not only a mindset, but it's also an appetite, and that hmm. appetite is rarely satisfied. Hmm. Right. It doesn't matter how easy life becomes. We can always think of how it could be even easier. Yeah. Uh, It doesn't matter how easy life becomes. It won't satisfy the desire that all of us have to make a meaningful impact in the world. Instead, you know, if we're not careful, we'll wake up at the end of life with just this whole resume full of regrets because we never took risks to do something that truly matters. And so those are the two things there that easy street. It's really both the mindset and an appetite. And, um, and we have to change our mindset and recognize that our appetite has to be for something far greater. That's good. Good. Good word. Good word. Um, you chose the book of Philippians um, as a guide to help us uh, in Paul's insight um, into a life of significance. How does Paul's life model, uh, how does his life model stop chasing easy? Yeah. You know, I think if you look at Paul's life, uh, you see pretty quickly that, you know, it wasn't easy, right? For example, on multiple occasions, Paul was shipwrecked. He was imprisoned. He was whipped. He was beaten. He was hungry. He was sleepless. He was cold, right? All of these things. And, and, and that's anything but easy street. And yet Paul remained faithful to the Lord and to the mission that God had called him to. So when you look mm-hmm. in the book of Philippians, then uh, you realize that, okay, again, Paul's in prison when he's writing this letter and, and, and was in prison for a couple of years. 
So it, it's just one more layer of his stop chasing easy life, right? It's just one more uh, picture of, yeah, he had, he had some difficulties he had to endure. But in Philippians, I think he goes a step further because in each chapter, um, I, I've seen kind of a theme that, that is dominant in each chapter that I think can help us live a, a stop chasing easy life. And uh, so, for example, in chapter one, there's just this overarching theme of his mindset mm. and, um, and, and how he thought, and we'll, I know we'll dig into some of this more in a, in, right. in, a, in, a, in a moment here, but, and then in chapter two, you know, you see a focus on his character and maturity in chapter three, you know, we see a focus on, on his mission. What was the the primary goal of his life? And then in chapter four, I think there's just some great insights on how to pursue that mission. So, so, you know, we can dig into all of that more, but I think that overarching perspective of Philippians, we, we see how to live a stop chasing easy life. Yeah. And do you think in the Christian walk, the, the easy street, you just eloquently explained about Paul and, you know, his life, but sometimes somehow we've went from that him and his, the difficulty to somehow thinking that Christian life is easy street. It, it is. It's it's just quite interesting. After all those years, yeah. Uh, maybe that's just yeah. my my thinking in Nairobi. No, I, you're. I think you're exactly right. And I think there's you know, and that sometimes can swing into a theological thing because sometimes there's this theology that says, well, you know, if you're serving God and you're you're walking in obedience, then then you're going to be blessed and everything's going to be good. And and yeah. yes, there are moments and there are seasons where that that is the case. But I think we can look at scripture and see pretty clearly that there are lots of examples of people who walked in obedience to God and yet faced suffering. Yeah. And um, and so I, I think if we're not careful, we can. Again, it's not that we're trying to make things harder than they have to be, but at the same time, if if the pursuit of life becomes easy street, you're going to be disappointed every single time. Yeah, that's true. You're, that's you true. may you may be think that you're satisfied and oh look at the blessing here and look at the look at the um, the the good thing I get to experience here and 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 I'm blessed. You know, I mean, right. yes, but don't we want our lives to count for something that's really significant? And let's just be honest. Uh, the things that are most significant in life are rarely easy. Yeah. Right. True. I mean, everybody wants to think about Aaron. Everybody wants a, a, you know, a healthy family and a healthy marriage, but is it easy to, to do the things that help make a healthy family and marriage? Yeah. No, it's, it, it's not. All of us want to make an impact through our, ministry and 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 the work that God's called us to but is that impact easy no but those are the things we look back on with the greatest sense of look what God did and isn't yeah. this awesome because we know we had to pay a price for them yeah it's true very very true mindset um you've mentioned mindset a few times um and you talk about trading pessimism for perspective um you highlighted Paul's wisdom there on and 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 could you just share with us what we can learn from Paul about this trading pessimism for perspective? Yeah. So all of this comes from chapter one. And in fact, in the book, I talk about four trade-offs that if you're going to stop chasing easy and, and pursue a life that counts, you've got to make four trade-offs. And there's one trade-off for each of the four chapters in Philippians. So the first one is all about mindset. And, um, uh, and, and this is where the focus is really trading pessimism for perspective. So being in the situation that, that Paul was in, uh, he could have been pretty pessimistic, right? 
um, because I'm sure a Roman prison was nothing to be excited about. And, and, uh, but in Philippians chapter one, it's like Paul trades any pessimism for, for perspective, because we see five different mindsets at work in his life in this chapter. Okay. Uh, we see a mindset of thankfulness. We see a, a mindset of growth mm-hmm. and a mindset of, of opportunity yeah. A mindset where he was able to see the big picture in the middle of everything happening, and then a, a mindset of perseverance. And so, yeah. uh, let me let me touch on one of those. I'll, I'll talk about a growth mindset in Philippians chapter one, verse nine. Paul said, "I pray that your love will overflow more and more, and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding." So, I, I love that "keep on" part of that statement because it, it it's continual. Like there's yeah. a there's an emphasis that growth is not an event and it's not static. It is an ongoing lifelong uh, process. And so, you know, I'll give you a personal example. I know in my life um, I discovered the importance of a growth mindset after graduating uh, from college. Hmm. And um, whenever I was in school, high school, college, you know, whatever uh, I hated reading, which I know isn't what you would expect an author to say. Right? I was going to say, uh, I, I, I was going to say, I'm an author. I thought you'd love reading. So, right. I mean, I do now, but I didn't right. then. And, um, and, and so it, it wasn't that I couldn't read. I just didn't like to. And, and I remember a couple of years into ministry after I'd already graduated and everything, I, I was in my first ministry position and Aaron, I was sinking, like mm. things were not going as planned. And, um, you know, I think all the neatly packaged answers that I learned in Bible college weren't answering <laughs> the questions anybody was asking me. So, uh, I, uh, so needless to say, I, I felt over my, over my head. And yeah. I think, you know, sometimes in those times, those seasons, suddenly, even though you don't want to do something, you're, you're compelled that I've got to do this. Yeah. And so one of the things I knew I needed to start doing was just reading and learning yeah. and, and realizing growth doesn't stop when you graduate. Right. So, uh, so a couple of years after graduating, I, 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 um, you know, um, uh, I'm struggling and I, 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 I'd pick up John Maxwell's early leadership book, developing the leader within you. And, um, and that book was not, it's not the 2.0 version that's out now, like this, is, okay. you know, more than 25 <laughs> years ago. So I pick up the original version and I remember reading that book and, and after reading it, I think I, I thought, man, I, I think this might be the best leadership book I've ever read. And, uh, you know, that's when it dawned on me. I, I think this might be the only leadership book <laughs> I've ever read. Right. So, so uh, but here's the thing. My, my journey ha- had begun and it was more than just a habit of reading. It was I was developing a habit of growing. Yeah. And I remember a few years later, I attended a lunch gathering where, where John Maxwell was speaking to, you know, a few hundred leaders. And, and uh, at that time, he had just come out with his book, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. And during his, he, he spoke for like 30 minutes. I don't know if he was on a book tour or what, but he spoke for maybe 30 minutes at this lunch. And I remember he talked about uh, a couple of the laws um, in his book. And one of the laws he talked about was the law of process, which says hmm. that leadership develops daily, not in a day. Hmm. And at the end of his teaching, I mean, he gave us a challenge that just really grabbed my attention. And it wasn't anything profound, but it was profound for me in that moment. You know how sometimes hmm. you, you you think back on things, you know, like yeah. that wasn't that, that profound, but right. in the moment it was, that's yeah. what that was for me. Because yeah. he said, he, he challenged everybody to create a plan for personal growth. Yeah. 
And um, by that time, I had developed a habit of reading, but I didn't have a focused, personalized growth plan that was really guiding my my growth. Yeah. And so uh, it, it just kind of felt haphazard at times. And so after that, after he spoke, I went back to his table and, and you know, I bought the 21 Laws book, but I also bought this, this uh, kit and it was okay. this this audio cassette curriculum. Like remember the days of cassettes, like this is is back in the late nineties. And so uh, I remember I bought this kit and it had all of these cassette tapes in it and, you know, a workbook and all that. And so I started coming into the office an hour early and I would uh, pop in one of those tapes and I would work through that portion of the workbook. Hmm. And um, what I discovered is that my mindset started to change Hmm. and and my thinking began to change and that thinking then began to impact my doing. Right. Yeah. And, and so that entire process of, of going from not being a reader to eventually developing my own growth plan. And now I do that every year. And, you know, it's just, it's just part of who I am. That entire process took a mindset shift. Yeah. I had to focus on growing and I had to realize that growth was a deliberate ongoing process. It was not a single event. Sometimes I'll say it like this um, events, inspire change process, creates change hmm. habits, sustain change. Hmm. 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 And it's when you develop a mindset of growth that then you can start engaging in the process of growth and develop the habits to grow for a lifetime. So, so that, you know, I think in that first chapter, Paul, man, he hits hard. Yeah. Uh, just having the right mindset and you see it fleshed out in five different ways. One of those being, being a growth mindset. Well, and that, you know, the other thing I think about is your growth mindset, obviously how you've grown, but then the impact that you've had on other people, my life included, mm-hmm. um, and how you've um, spurned others on to grow. You know what I mean? So it's, it's had an exponential effect when you, when you made that decision to grow and went yeah. through that process, how it's, yeah, you've in, impacted a lot a lot of other lives by being Thank obedient you. in that. And um, yeah, greatly, greatly appreciate it. You talk about um, in the book, maturity, um, trading comfort for character. What type of character does Paul call us to? And, um, and, and, and I guess we, it comes back to this easy street and we, 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 we know Aaron Sandemeyer, I'll own it. I drift towards comfort <laughs> rather than character. Um, yeah. Can you just talk a little bit about that? I don't want you to give all the book away, but sure, just, a, just, sure. a, just a little bit um, for us. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in uh, Philippians chapter two, I think the overarching theme we see there is, is the maturing of our character. Hmm. And, uh, and so Paul talks about uh, five different character traits in that chapter. He talks about love. Um, he talks about humble service. He talks about trust and obedience and honor. And, okay. and here's why I think this is so important. Um, without mature character, we will undermine everything God wants to do through us. Okay. Um, in other words, we, we, we have to develop character on the inside that will help us sustain God's work on the outside. Hmm. And um, so I, I think, you know, sometimes when we, we talk about pursuing a life that counts, we think, man, I got to, you know, we think of the, the mission and Paul does get to that. But I, I think it's interesting that character was under the microscope scope first though. like hmm. this was such a a huge a huge piece to the puzzle and i think in our in our uh culture today aaron where it's so much 15 minutes of fame and yeah. and you know being on the platform i i think character is almost seen as as unnecessary 
Hmm. Or we assume that we've got it in the measure that we need in order to do what we want to do. And the truth of the matter is, um, in leadership, you know, there's pressure yeah. in leadership. It's, it's difficult. It's hard. And if your character does not have the maturity it needs, you will unintentionally undermine the very hmm. thing that you're trying to accomplish and that God wants to accomplish through you. So, hmm. so, you know, Paul talks about mindset, but then he yeah. dives into the maturing of our character. Yeah. That is huge. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I love how Andy Stanley defines character. He says character is the will to do what is right as defined by God, regardless of personal cost. Wow. Wow. And, and I love that because, you know, without the will to do what is right, you're, you're always going to look for easy shortcuts. Yeah. And if right is defined by anyone, but God, you'll tweak and modify the truth until it fits neatly into what's convenient <laughs> in the moment. Right. Yeah, and and if you only do what's right, when, when the personal yeah. cost is low, then yeah. let's be honest, it's only a matter of time before you put your character up for sale to the highest bidder. So, yeah. so that, that's uh, just a, a really critical part. Yeah, it's challenging. You talk kind of, kind of segueing into that. You talk about set aside, step aside character. Can you just take a minute or two and share about that? Yeah. So there's a, there's a verse in Philippians chapter two. Again, this is in the message paraphrase, uh, verse three and four. I'll, I'll just read it to you. This is, uh, so I, I love how Paul describes this. He says, don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet, sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Hmm. If they're like for leaders, I mean, we should memorize that passage, right? I mean, that's just, that's just, <laughs> that hits you right between the eyes. And so yeah. th there's a phrase there. He says, put yourself aside and help others get ahead. In other words, step aside yeah. so others can step ahead. Yeah. And um, when I think about stepping aside so others can step ahead, the, the, the image that kind of comes to my mind is, um, is opening a door for somebody else. Like, like when you walk up to a door, what's, what's the common courtesy? It's to open the door for the other person, for whether sure. it's your spouse or a friend or a coworker, you know, even a complete stranger. And, um, and, and, uh, so in that situation, what are you doing? You're essentially stepping aside. You're opening that door, stepping aside so someone else can step ahead. Well, I think that's what servant leaders do. Yeah. Servant leaders step aside so others can step ahead. Right. And, um, and, and then if you keep reading that same passage in Philippians 2, uh, Paul makes another statement. He, he talks about Jesus, like how he was a perfect example of someone who was a servant and who was humble. And, and he says this about Jesus. He said that Jesus set aside the privileges of deity. In other words, Jesus set aside status for service. So when I say we need to develop step aside set aside character. What I'm saying is that, that we need to develop character where we step aside so others can step ahead. That's, that's serving. And we need to set aside status for service. That's humility. So in the book, I, I, I just talk about humble service and that that's one of the character traits that is so important. And I think it's especially important for leaders. Wow. And uh, in fact, in the, in the masterclass uh, for leaders that, that I've developed uh, that goes with this book, um, the, the session on 
Um, the second session deals all about humble service because I think that's so important for leaders. And I really take a deep dive there. Uh, it's fascinating. You know, I, I'm in the process of uh, reading a book and it talked, it basically done a study among, amongst executives or leaders. And when given the choice between somebody that had high character, the, the person that you would choose, he or she, they were the obvious choice. They didn't choose them. They chose another person because they were afraid of the threat on their on their leadership, because if that person wow. was that capable and it said across wow. industries, across um, directives, people chose whether it was a medical field or whatever field it was, they would rather choose someone that was a less that would they would choose someone that was less a uh, threat to them rather than someone that would be a more of a benefit to the organization or whatever they were leading. And mm-hmm. uh, man, it just hit me. And it speaks right to what you're saying. This set aside, step aside, serving rather than oh. um, being thinking of thinking about ourselves. So yeah, that's good. Moving on to mission, um, trading temporal for eternal. Um, can you, can you share how Paul moves us from this focus on temporal, uh, temporary success to an internal impact and, um, and how that impacts us today in 2021? Yeah. So this is the the third trade-off in the book I talk about, um, mission trading temporal for eternal. And so in, uh, this comes all out of Philippians chapter three and in, in Philippians three, one of the things Paul talks about is his success as a Pharisee. And he basically points out, you know, three dimensions of his success. He, he talks about his heritage, he talks about his achievements, and then he talks about his reputation. And he was basically like the CEO of religious success, right? But, uh, <laughs> but then in verse seven, um, seven and eight, he, he says this, he says, the very credentials these people are waving around as something special, I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash along Hmm. with everything else I used to take credit for. Hmm. In other words, you know, Paul had been basically chasing a a temporal mission that was all about his own success, you know, his own religious um, aspirations. And he was, you know, educated in this way. And he had this experience. And, and I mean, he, he really talks about the eliteness of, of his, um, religious success. But then he basically says, you know what, I'm throwing all that out. And in verse, uh, in verse eight, he says, uh, he, he really describes his most important mission. Hmm. He says, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Hmm. 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 So, so here's the idea. If we want to make our lives count rather than chasing the temporal nature of easy street, we need to chase a mission with eternal value. Okay. And um, I'll give you a quick example that I share in the book. Um, and, and this is a, a, certainly a friend of missions, Hal Donaldson. Yeah. Um, you know, before Hal started Convoy of Hope, he was a journalist. And, and during an interview with Mother Teresa, uh, you know, she asked Hal what he was doing to help the poor. And Hal said, I'm, I'm really not doing anything. Hmm. And um and then on that same trip, because uh, he was on a trip to India and, and uh, as a journalist on that same trip, he met with Mark and Holda Buntain and he asked Mark Buntain, you know, how he and Holda kept from getting overwhelmed in their work with the poor. And I love something that Mark said. Mark said, we stay focused on what we can do, not what we can't. Wow. And then he said this, he said, we can't do everything but that can't be an excuse for doing nothing. 
And so those two encounters that with Mother Teresa and, and, and the Buntains, man, that rocked Hal's worlds. And um, and so he comes back and, and eventually he starts loading up a pickup truck and U-Hauls uh, with groceries and giving it to, to poor working families. And the more he did this, it just began to 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 change him significantly. And I love something that Hal said. He said, with each passing day, selfishness became more distasteful and selflessness more satisfying. Wow. And so, you know, what did Hal do? He he traded the temporal for the eternal. He yeah. traded success for significance. And I think as you look through Philippians chapter three, you see that theme emerge where Paul really describes his highest goal, his highest priorities. And that was really knowing Christ and making sure others could know him as well. Yeah. Challenging. And I appreciate the, um, the, the story and the impact. And it, it's a choice it though, isn't it? I mean, it's, oh, it, yeah. I don't think we, we drift towards the eternal impact. I think it's, and that's, I think that's what is I read through your book with the challenging, it was many challenging parts, but that the reality of it is my drift was, is always towards the um, pessimism. It was towards the comfort. It, my drift was towards <laughs> the temporal and, and then the next one. And so, but man, it's, it, it made me really reflect and, and for asking God as, as I read through it for, for God to bring those things to my mind, because drift a lot of times when you're drifting, you don't realize it, you know what I mean? Right. And um, just that, and then you talked earlier about how we can convince ourselves on certain things and convincing ourselves that the temporal things that maybe I'm focused on, it, it's your mind can get all, all spun right. up, but it's, uh, it was very and, challenging. Thank you, Aaron. And if I could just add one thing there, because sure. here's, here's sometimes I think where this can go. Sometimes people can take it in a direction where they say, Oh, well, success just doesn't matter at all. Hmm. And, um, and that's not what I'm saying here. So I want to make sure to, to bring some clarification because here's what I believe. I, I believe God can give us success in the way that the world would tend to define success, but it's always for a bigger reason. Hmm. And, and I think that's the thing that we have to keep in mind is that you're likely not. Um, I mean, think, think about some people that have had extraordinary influence with with high level leaders and have led them to Christ and have, and, and some amazing things have happened. Well, most of those high level leaders wouldn't listen to someone who's also not a high level leader. Yeah. Who also doesn't have a measure of success. It's that success that earned them the right to share the gospel. It's that success that earned them the opportunity because they were successful. The person wanted to listen to them and suddenly they're taking into consideration what they're saying. So, so I think that's important to, to, to point out because success isn't bad, Yeah. but the question is how do we leverage success for significance? Yeah. And, and so that, that, that's just another side to this equation that I think is also important to keep in mind. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And you do things with excellence. So that's, I think that's right. the other thing is I read through this, this wasn't um, throwing, throwing away excellence. It's, you know, it's, it's right. doing thing for the eternal impact. And um, yeah, yeah, for sure. The, the last one of movement, um, trading regression for progression. Um, you share about a selfless. Yes. And, um, and, and what is, or what are some reasons that a selfless, yes, a selfless. Yes. Is so vital um, for progression. 
Yeah, so this comes out of chapter uh, four in Philippians, and you see Paul address a number of things that I, that I think are super relevant whenever it comes to not regressing back to Easy Street, but progressing forward with the mission that God's entrusted to you. And so one of those is a selfless yes. Paul talks about in this chapter about being unselfish. And, um, and so this is interesting because, um, let's be honest, uh, there's two sides of this, this equation. And I've got a whole chapter in the book that talks about focus and that's Mm -hmm. under the, the, the section that's all about mission and the importance of learning to say no and staying focused on what matters, what matters. This is almost the other side of the coin where you're saying a selfless. Yes. So you have to, you have to do both, right? You got to say no to the things that don't matter, but you Mm -hmm. also have to say a selfless. Yes. Where you are staying focused on the mission and realizing there's a price that comes with this mission. Yeah, there's a cost that we have to pay for this mission. And I'm going to keep saying yes to the mission God has called me to until he gives me a different mission. And so um, some days you're you're tired. In fact, in some seasons, like the one we've been in, yeah. you know, with the pandemic, you know, we're, we're tired, exhausted, but but we have to wake up each day and keep saying yes to the mission before us. And uh, yeah. one of the stories I tell in the book is J.W. Tucker, you know, a missionary to, to, to uh, Congo, and he and his wife, Angeline, and their kids, they kept saying yes, day after day after day, even though they went years without any known converts. Mm. And yet that selfless yes led to a revival in the region after yeah. J.W. Tucker's martyrdom. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, here's a challenge uh, that we have. We oftentimes expect obedience to mean everything will go smoothly. And yet obedience often leads to times of challenge and suffering and hardship. The question is, can we keep saying yes in the face of that hardship? Even, uh, uh, e- even when you just want to throw in the towel so that the mission can keep moving forward. For sure. Stephen, is there a question I should have asked you about the book? Anything, <laughs> anything else? I, I tried to, I tried to formulate questions that wouldn't, that would whet people's appetite, but not give, give too much of the book away. Is there something you think, Hey, I wish Aaron would have asked this anything. Um, no, you're your the author, are... so you, you know, you know, the book, you know, the book uh, sideways right. and backways. So, you know, no, you, your questions were great. I, I would just give maybe an overarching snapshot here. And that is again, um, We're talking about we're going to stop chasing easy and we're going to pursue a life that counts. And when you look at the overarching picture of of Paul's letter here, there's four things that are critical to make life count. Yeah. Mindset, maturity, mission and movement. Yeah. You got to start with the right mindset. You've got to allow your character to mature. You've got to embrace a mission that matters, not just today, but for eternity. And you've, um, you've got to keep moving forward, even yeah. whenever you're, you're tempted to throw, throw in the towel. Yeah. I will say this. I, one thing that I think sometimes people struggle with whenever it comes to mission is oftentimes they can say, well, what does that mean for me, though? I'm not a pastor. I'm not a missionary. I'm not a fill in the blank, right? The, the things that people oftentimes will elevate. And, and, and one of the messages that I, I feel like I, I try to communicate regularly to our congregation is um, like, 
what we do on Sunday is extraordinarily important, but so is what you do on Monday. And so, you know, one of the things I put in the book that I think is super valuable on this to help people apply it in everyday life is, is if you want to, if you really want life to be significant, then, then ask yourself, uh, what, what gifts do I have? But then don't stop there. Uh, once you identify your gifts, then ask, what need can I meet? What problem can I solve? What person can I help? And what beauty can I create? Yeah. Wow. Those four questions. If you wrestle with those questions, you're going to figure out how you can do something of significance in your world. Yeah. There's going to be a need that you can meet. There's going to be some kind of problem you can solve. God's going to lead you to a person or a group of people that you can help, or, or God's going to show you how you can bring beauty to your slice of the world. Yeah. And I, I just think those are just super practical questions to help you flesh out what your mission might look like in the world and, um, and, and, and where you can really make your greatest contribution. So, uh, anyway, but it all takes mindset, uh, maturity, mission, and movement. If we're going to stop chasing easy and, and really make life count today and for eternity. Amen. Steven, you pray for us today. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Aaron, thank you again for, for the opportunity to be with you. It's so, so good. You're, you're so gracious and so kind and, and I hope the book is encouraging. And again, people can get it at stopchasingeasy.com and there's all kinds of free resources there. So uh, thank you so much. Let, yeah. let me pray for it's us. Annoying. God, thank you. Thank you, God, for your goodness and your faithfulness. And God, thank you that you, you will call us to do things that are significant and noble and they're not easy. In fact, sometimes they're just really plain hard. And yet, God, that's where you often receive the greatest glory and you do your greatest work. And so we're thankful for that, God. And I just ask for each listener today that they would, uh, their faith would be inspired, that even though it may be a hard season, even though it may be difficult, that God, you're at work and you're doing some of your best work. And God, we just lean into you uh, recognizing that you're with us and you're for us. And, um, even when, when life is difficult, God, that you're, you're doing some great things. God help us to, to not be lured, uh, to the temptations of easy street, but help us to just live a life where you say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm not going to chase after easy. I'm going to be grateful when God blesses. And I'm going to be grateful when God does, does uh, good things. And when God extends his favor and his blessing, I'm, I'm going to be thankful for that, but I'm not going to turn easy into a God. Lord, help us instead to say, we're going to make life count today and for eternity.